surprises, we are in the Gospel of Mark. We're continuing on, taking our journey into the Gospel of Mark. Now, if I can figure that out here again. And so today we're looking at that sending out of the 12. Jesus at this time is sending out his 12. You've heard the scripture. And uh, our, our uh, service today has been directed towards that, this idea of going, being sent out. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this TV show. Some of you look shocked, like you've never seen it before. Uh, it's one that we have watched. I'm not promoting... I'm not promoting the show. There's a lot of things in there we wouldn't agree with. But what I am promoting is the concept of a SEAL team, right? This, this uh, SEAL team that is sent out on a mission uh, to execute an urgent, high-stake mission, to make a difference. And that is what this show is based on. And we see the reality of that in our world uh, goes on today. And I think a lot of it goes on and we're not aware of it because that's the whole point. They're secret missions often. We're not aware of what they're doing and how they're providing for us, how they're protecting us as a nation. And, uh, and so this show, of course, is to do with the U.S., but I'm sure we would have the same uh, in our Canadian forces and so why do I bring this up? Because ultimately, here when we come into this passage, Jesus is sending out his SEAL team. That's what he's doing. Jesus is sending out, more importantly, an older term that was used, is Jesus is sending out his heralds. As a king, a king would have his heralds, and so now his disciples <clears throat> are his heralds, and he is sending them out. See, the heralds are the messengers of the king. And so they convey the king's message. And so they would go and they had to be loud. Praise God. I'm a loud person, so I'm a good herald. Uh, <laughs> and and I, that's one thing I've never been quiet, uh, unfortunately. I think I came out of the womb talking, as, I, as they say, a firstborn female. Yeah, usually they come out of the womb talking. Uh, and... <laughs> And so, you know, there is this aspect of this that, that they have to be loud. They're going out and they're proclaiming the king's message. And, and, and so they, first of all, need to hear the king's message. And then they go forth. And as they journeyed into city uh, after city, they proclaim the king's message. Because the king is coming and you need to get prepared for the king's coming. So we're going to proclaim the king's message. This is what Jesus is doing with his disciples as these heralds. They have the king's message, the gospel, the good news. My friends, today, the church of Jesus Christ is, we are the heralds of the gospel, of the good news, of the king's message, that you need to go and get ready and send the message out ahead of the king's coming. It's still the same story. It's what we're called to. And so we're told that the Lord then summons, in verse 7 there, he summons the 12 and he begins to send them out. See, what does it take to be a herald? Does it mean that you have to go to Bible school? Do you have to be clergy? No, because the truth of it is the qualifications of a herald are only two and they're very, very simple. First of all, you need to know the king and you need to hear the king and you need to obey his command to go. That's as simple as it is. You need to hear. That's what a herald does. They hear the king's message and they go with the king's message. 
they are obedient to that. And therefore, that is what a herald is called to do. I've used this many times in church ministry. I don't think I've used it much here, but team. Uh, Jesus knew there was a power in team. What does team mean? Let's say it together. Together, everyone achieves more. It's right in the Old Testament. Pity the man that's alone. (laughs) It's better when you have two. It's better that you have two together. And Jesus knew the importance of team, of coming together, supporting one another, encouraging one another. Discouragement could take over. And so it was important for them to go out in twos, in teamwork, that Jesus is sending them out so they could support and encourage one another. The other aspect of being sent out in twos is if you remember the Old Testament, it took two witnesses to verify the truth, at least two. So if they are witnesses of the king, and they are talking about the truth about the king, and the king is going to be coming, and you need to get ready for the king, the fact that there were two witnesses verified what they were speaking was the truth. And then when they come back, as we'll see later in the chapter, they come back to give report This passage, we're not dealing with that, but as they come back to give report, the two witnesses coming back will verify that it is the truth that they are bringing back. This is what Janet was saying, and it's a very powerful part of this passage, Janet, is the king gave them authority. The king gave them his authority. See, we're representatives of the king. They're representatives of the king. And a lot of people could say, well, who do you think you are? (laughs) But it's because they've been given now the king's authority and power that they're going forth now in the king's anointing. And so they're bringing this kingdom with his authority. And so we see it's a divine authority. It's an empowerment from God. And so as they go forth to minister, this mission is now to just Israel. Jesus is sending them out to Israel. When I read this morning, the Great Commission, we know, is to the ends of the earth. But this first mission that Jesus is sending them out on is just to the house of Israel because the word needs to go out to the house of Israel. And so Jesus now empowers them supernaturally with his anointing and his authority that they can go forth and represent him. I was thinking about this this morning as I, as I was preparing this week. It came to me this morning, uh, not earlier, but this morning, and the fact that that is really something powerful. The 12 are sent out with the power and the authority of Jesus. If we can wrap our minds around that, if we could just get a glimpse of that, that the church of Jesus Christ is sent forth in the power and the authority of King Jesus, who today is at the right hand of the Father. And he's also our high priest interceding and praying for us. That is powerful, people. That is so powerful if we could tap into that. Problem. We spend a lot of time going in our own authority, in our own power, in our own strength, and we don't see any fruit for it. We don't see any fruit for it because of that. And and this was the emphasis that we were trying to bring out, I was trying to bring out last week, and here we are again. 
before we speak, before we go, we need to spend time with Jesus and ask for his anointing, ask for his empowerment, ask for the unction again. That's an old term that used to be used in the church of the Holy Spirit to fill us in such a way that we're sent forth with his power and authority. Where do you get the power? On your knees. That's where you get it. It's the same message that keeps coming to the church. Pastor Mike said that listening is listening and obeying, and yet we see less and less and less time as a church. I know COVID has really hit us hard. Less and less time on our knees. Less and less time on our knees praying. Last week, what did we talk about? Where did they be here? Praying that God would soften people's hearts to receive the King's message. And here we are today again. It is on our knees that we receive this power and this authority, and then we go forth with the message of God. And now he says, he tells them how to go out, doesn't he? Jesus instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on an extra shirt or a tunic. Now, what that is, is that would be like their blanket. It was the outer, they had an inner tunic and they had an outer tunic. And when, it was, when they were cold, that became their blanket that they would put around themselves. And so Jesus is saying, don't take that outer tunic with you, right? Don't, don't even go there with it. And so what we see here is there is an urgency. Jesus sees an urgency to get the message out. He sees an urgency at this point because he is looking and he knows his doom is sure. He knows his time is short. He knows the cross is coming and his crucifixion and death. And so there's an urgency to get the message out. So this is why he is sending out his disciples to get the message out. And so he says to them, there's no time to waste. You're going with nothing. You just go and do it now. I like what somebody says, that the mission always takes priority over our comfort and convenience. You remember where Jesus was saying that the ones wanted to go home and bury their dead? <laughs> All of that, he says to them, no, anyone who turns back is not worthy of me. He's saying there's an urgency for all of us that we need to let go all those things that we think are so important and we need to urgently share the news, to herald the news of the king. What's also important here to see is the power of faith. So they are to go now in great faith. How do they go? They have to trust God. Not their own resources, not their own way of doing it, right? And so there is a, a step of faith here where they need to trust God totally that as they're going, God is going to provide for them. And often we think this is just people who are called to full-time ministry or missions. It is not. It is a part of it when you're called to missions, when you're called to full-time ministry. You have to trust God completely that he's going to provide for you. But this is a message to all disciples. This is a message to the church. Do we trust God that if we do what he calls us to do, he know, we know that he is going to provide everything that's needed. He'll provide it. Many of us who have walked with the Lord many years can tell you all the ways that God has provided. If we had time to sit down around a meal and we could talk about, I want to tell you how God has miraculously provided for 
me. Because if you are obedient to the goal, he's going to take care of the rest. Seek first his what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other incidentals will be added on to you. He will take care of that. What do we do? What does the world tell us to do? Oh, worry about all this stuff constantly and peek up once a month, once in a while on a Sunday and say, bless me, Lord, and then we just keep on and we think that's all what it's about. We wonder why we're stressed and have health issues and all kinds of things. Jesus said, you go and you share and you become my herald and I'll take care of all that. You know what the problem is? I shared recently about the reality, about the fact that we are born with a tight fist, but we die with an open hand. You know the old saying, you can't take it with you. Why are we spending so much of our lives on things that will matter nothing for eternity? That's a hard statement. But sometimes I have to remind myself of that. I think it's good to remind ourselves of that. One day we're going to stand before Jesus and he's not going to care what your house looked like or what car you drove or what truck you drove or how much money you had in the bank or how many family wonderful Sunday meals you had. Those are great. What he's going to want to know is what you've done with your commission. How have you done with your call as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you been obedient? Have you been faithful? And have you trusted him to provide? And so it's that focus again. It's that priority. It's about his kingdom. There is an urgency in this passage. I didn't know that till this week, looking at it with new and fresh eyes, that there's an urgency for this team to go out and bring forth the message because the king is coming and they need to get the message out that people will be prepared for the king's coming. Here's a hard part. I struggle with this. Maybe you struggle with this. They didn't need to just depend on God. Who else did they need to depend on? Others. They now are not in control. They don't provide for themselves. They're not even got food with them, money, or even a blanket. So they are totally dependent upon the hospitality of others. <clears throat> They're dependent for food and shelter because of others. The truth is, in Jewish culture, this was your duty, it was a custom, it still is today, that you are to welcome the stranger. You are to welcome them and treat them like a king <laughs> coming into your, into your town. You are to care for them. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that they uh, watered their camels they uh, sat down and had a meal, right? It's all there. You can see it all throughout the Old Testament. It is part of the New Testament also. And so the point is that when people were uh, entering into a town, they were to be received uh, with hospitality. That was a Jewish custom. Do you see now why it was terrible that Jesus, nobody washed Jesus' feet? Because they did not even give him the lowest that their society said you should give a stranger is when they enter your home, you were to wash their feet. And so Jesus becomes the hospitable one and kneels down and takes on that role as a servant and washes everyone's feet. The one thing about that story that's so hard, and I know I'm off on another thing, but just to say very quickly, that story never tells us that any of those disciples who just had their feet washed 
took on the role of a servant and washed Jesus' feet. He went out that night towards the cross with dirty feet because not one man would humble himself to wash his feet. My friends, pride will destroy us. <laughs> pride will get in the way of what God wants to do if we're not careful. And so they needed to be vulnerable. Oh, that's a word we hate. They needed to be humble. They were being sent out urgently, urgently with this message, and they had to go forth in faith, but they also had to depend on others for provision. And so they were willing to do that. In humility, they went. We also see that because of what we spoke about last week, Jesus was rejected. Jesus was rejected. Remember we said that last week? Rejected by those closest to him, his hometown. And now he's knowing that his disciples, even though hospitality is the Jewish custom, some are going to reject him and reject them. And so just as Jesus has been rejected, they can expect rejection. And so he tells them to do another custom, which was to shake the dust off your shoes. So if you went into a town and they rejected you, you were supposed to take off your sandal and brush the dust off as to say, judgment has fell on this dirt. And I'm not walking in it. I'm just dusting it off right here. And so judgment is here in this town, in this soil because you have not received a prophet you have not received the word you have caused me to move on this is why it's also important that they didn't have those provisions because it would force them if somebody rejected them and they weren't able to get food and they weren't able to get water and shelter they were to move on to the next town and so Jesus says to us again as we heard last week if people are not receptive of the gospel don't waste your time there you pray for them but you move on because there are those who are still waiting to hear the good news. And we're to share it with them as we pray for others. So what was the herald's message? Nothing new. <laughs> we've heard it now for months as we've talked about the gospel of Mark repent that's the message that's what god is asking us to bring forth in this day the message hasn't changed the king is coming the king is coming and we're out there to tell people the king is coming therefore you should repent you need to get ready for the king's coming that's what we're called to tell people you need to get ready for the king who is coming and I'm here as his representative in his authority and power, and I'm telling you, this is the message, the king is coming, and you need to get ready. Remember, right back in chapter 1, what did Jesus say? The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's our message. That's the message of a herald. And see, sometimes, though, we get confused. I've heard a lot of people say to me, Pastor, the gospel is. And what is the gospel? The gospel is good news. It's an announcement. See, we make it into all kinds of things. We say that's the gospel truth. The truth, if it's looking at the gospel biblically and historically, the gospel is, let me tell you the good news. The king is coming. The king is coming. His kingdom is coming. And you get to be a part of it. That is the gospel. 
It is an announcement. The Romans, it was a term that was used with Rome. Rome thought they were the best thing since sliced bread. They were bringing the Pax Romana. And so they were going into that whole world, and they used that term, the gospel. They used that term, evangelon, the announcement. Rome is the best thing, and so here we are taking power and, and, and making you be our subjects, but we're the best thing. And so they talked about the emperors. And so historically today, if you look at a lot of Roman statues, if you look at the writings, if you look at their songs, it all has that word, evangelon, in there. It has the word gospel, the announcement of the emperor. It's there. And so even if we go back into the Old Testament, there is the Hebrew word similar that was talking about a king's inauguration. And so when the king was being inaugurated, the heralds would go out ahead into his kingdom, into every town, and they would be shouting and they would be proclaiming, there is a new king, there's good news. And this is what they were doing. And so the early church picked up this term. The early church and the word and, the, and, and that has picked up this term, the gospel, has picked up this term that was going on in society in that day. It was the announcement of good news, the king's news. And so that is what we say when we're pronouncing the gospel. The good news, the evangelon, is the king, is Jesus is our king, he is the king, he is the king of kings, and he is the one who came, he is the one who died, he is the one who rose from the grave, he is the one who's coming again, so repent and get ready for the king. Hear the good news. That's what we're called to as the church. That is our message, it's been the message for over 2,000 years. Oh, we complicate it. And so we, we say that word repent, and we've said it many times, but it's not an emotional feeling of sorry. One of our kids that every time they got caught, sorry, Brooklyn back there, sorry, it's probably in the back, sorry mommy, sorry daddy, they're not sorry. You teenagers, you're not sorry. <laughs> you're just sorry you got caught. <laughs> There's no change of heart, because you go out tomorrow and you do the same thing again. I remember, we, we joke about this. We say our, our young people, green, they're green. I said, green my foot. I remember up in Ontario, it was me putting my hand down in the garbage can, pulling out the banana peels because they couldn't put it in the compost, right? And so I'd say to them, <clears throat> why isn't the banana peels in the compost? Oh, sorry, Mom, I'll do it next time. No. <laughs> I was forever doing it. I wouldn't mind to have their banana peels right now to put in the compost for them. <laughs> but sorry is not an emotion. It's not a wishful thought. Sorry is I've been going the wrong direction. Repent. I I've been on the wrong road. And I need to get on the king's highway. I need to get back on the road. I need to get turned around. That's what repent is. Is I, I, I need a turnaround. And so we see that they brought this message of repent 
but praise God, this kingdom of God, what also comes is this mercy. They brought help and healing. They brought whole salvation. It's not just body that they healed or soul that they healed. They brought the two together. And for the church of Jesus Christ to understand this, it is not just about justice, justice, and it's not just about salvation, salvation. It is about the two. God wants to touch our society. He wants us out there changing the world around us and bringing justice and righteousness, but he also wants the soul. And so you see too often in history of church, you've got people that all they talk about is the soul and they leave people in their mire and mess and, and all of that. They don't care about their physical needs. And then there's those that are, oh, we got to take care of people's physical needs, physical needs, but nobody seems to care about their souls. God wants us to bring whole salvation. He wants to save us mind, body, and soul as a whole person. And that's what our church is called to do, and we see that disciples do it here. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, wow, and anointed many sick people with oil, and they were healed. This anointing again, coming back to that. My hands can touch somebody, and I can pray for somebody, and they can be healed. Did you get that? That, is, that just blows me away. That blows me away that I can spend time on my knees uh, on Wednesday nights and pray for the lost, I, I can pray for my loved ones, I can pray for the sick, and I can come up from there and a couple days later heal that God, hear that God has done something. Like that just blows me away that the king's authority and the king's power, if I am in Christ, is now mine, and I'm to go out, not just with the message, repent, but I am to go out and see people set free, I am to go out and pray for people, and they can be healed. Now we leave that to the king once we do it, but that just blows me away. That the king of kings would want to use me. Wow. That's the power of being called to full-time ministry. That is what keeps you keeping on, Bracton. It, it is that the God of the heavens would want to use me. That's, that's mind-boggling. But I think the church, if we could get the vision for this, if we could understand our authority and the power given to us in Jesus Christ, we would see mountains moved. We would see dead men walk. We sing about it. I'm longing to see it. I'm longing to see it with my own eyes. And so I bring this to a close with a story but the king's urgency to get his message out is the same urgency today for us to be uh, heralds of his kingdom, to be sent forth. Oh, he's not giving us the same directions that he gave them because that was a different day and a different time. But he is giving us the direction to go, to bring forth his message, and to see our uh, land changed, to see people's lives changed, to see West Prince changed for his glory, because the kingdom of God is at hand. I end with this story. Many of you have heard this story in Halifax Harbor. I heard this as I went on a tour of the harbor. 
many years ago, and, and it's a story of urgency that I was thinking of. On a bright, freezing morning uh, on 1917, a French captain steered his ship, the SS Mont Blanc, up the channel leading to the piers of Halifax. And just after 8.30, he looked up to see something that shouldn't have been there, a Norwegian freighter. It was a foggy morning, and heading straight towards him on his side of the skinny narrows was this big, huge ship. The two massive ships did what they were doing, a lot of, a lot of boats in the harbor. They blasted their whistles. They attempted a few futile, evasive maneuvers, and then, unfortunately, they collided, bow to bow. And it wasn't a fatal blow. They actually said that the maritime terms, they would have called it a fender bender. What was the problem? The problem was that the fader, freighter had rammed a 3,000-ton floating bomb. In a human error, people forgot on the Mount Blanc to put up the flags to let people know that there were explosives on board. And so they were filled with munitions bound for the war raging in Europe. And their holes were crammed with 2,500 tons of TNT and picric acid. The decks were crowded with barrels of high-octane oil. And there were sparks. And the Mont Blanc carried uh, no special markings, as we said. So nobody knew except for the port authorities who are now running frantically. And the crews of Mont Blanc run for the lifeboats, and they begin to row to shore. Rowing like mad, they reach the shore within minutes. They're in a panic. They're urgently trying to tell people what's about to happen, the pending explosion. And the problem was that the fire drew a crowd down to the shore. And so as Dartmouth and Halifax Harbor are all flooding to the shore to watch the great show as the ship begins to burn, they're not aware of what's going on. And so there's a woman there on the Dartmouth side with a baby in her arms, just thinking and her family were there, and they just thought this was great. The crew are urgently running around trying to warn people. The problem is they only spoke French. And nobody in Halifax, no, not nobody, but very few, and the ones there didn't speak French. And so there was a major communication breakdown as people urgently ran towards the shore to watch the spectacle, and the Frenchmen were running trying to get them to leave. What are they going to do? How are they going to save these bystanders? There was one French sailor, this story stayed with me, I've always remembered it. There was one French sailor, instead of talking, decided to grab the baby out of the woman's arms and took off with it. And as he took off with the baby, of course, the woman, her whole family, and the neighbors, and those over on the Dartmouth side, they start running after this madman because he stole her baby. How dare he steal her baby? And so they run up the hill, and they run away from the harbor, and they run until they get into the woods, and as they're angry at him, they just hear the explosion and realize that by his frantic, urgent action, their lives were just spared. That terrible explosion would level a big square mile of the waterfront, killing more than 2,000 and injuring 5,000 more. They said it was about 12% of Halifax population was lost in that one moment.
a terrible, terrible tragedy. Why do I bring up that story? I bring up that story because of the urgency that he did what he needed to do to save the people. Oh, my friends, if we could be like that French sailor, if we would have an urgency again in our hearts and ask the worship team to come to save the lost, to see that people are on the road to destruction and they need to be led away from it. I, I challenge you today because one of the things I've heard a lot in the pandemic, oh, it's the last days, pastor. It's the last days. It's the last days, pastor. And I don't know if it's the last days or it's not. I know we've been always moving towards the last days. I know the early Christians thought their day was the last day. They cried, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. They believed Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. And I know we watch the signs and we see the things, but you know what I want to say? If it's the last days, where is the urgency in the church to save the lost? Instead, we're running around in anxiety, fear, and panic, and our God is not a God of panic or fear. If it's the last days, it should bring us to a place of urgency and on our knees for the lost. And if it isn't the last days, my lifetime is short, and so is yours. And there should be an urgency in my life to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And there should be an urgency in your life to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And praise God, he is calling all of us today to be his heralds. Because people are walking towards destruction and they need to be led to the king. They need to be led to the truth. They need to be, hear the message, repent. They need healing. They need to be set free. God is waiting for his church, his heralds, his seal team <laughs> to go forth. And do it for his glory. Uh, Pastor Mike mentioned the song. We played it at the beginning. We sang it last night on virtual prayer. That statement. This is our calling people as the church. We seek your kingdom. Transform. Revive. Heal society. Is that your heart today? Is that what you're called to do? Do you sense the urgency that God is trying to say today through his word and through me, who I've tried to do my best? Do you sense today that he's calling you to be one of his heralds? He's calling all disciples to be his heralds. Will you listen and obey? As we sing this closing song, I'm going to ask you to stand or come to the front, whatever you need to do today to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, as Isaiah said on that great day. Won't you come?